Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everyone, and welcome to August. The following people have pledged their support on Patreon to support the podcast. And because of these kind people, I am able to put the podcast out on a consistent basis. So I want to thank David and Jennifer Von Ebers, Jeff Ulmer, Sylvan Groth, Liz Brunson, Yetta, Steve Van Sack, Rob Barnett, Randy Brown, Bella Pori, John Munson, Levi Petrie, Stephen Malio, Steve Rogers, Dale Hosek, Terry Smith, Anna Lynn, Chris Bloom, and Mary Thomas. Thanks, everyone, for the support. If you want to be part of the Patreon family and get unique, unedited episodes in video, please go to patreon.com, search for Set Lusting Bruce. And you can support for as little as $5 a month. Thank you, everyone. Now on to the show. There's one thing that you can hear in a song that can just touch your heartstrings. And there's certain things that just I'll get sad or cry whenever I hear that song. Or, or other times you just get, yeah, or there's the angry songs. People would always come to my house and they knew if I was playing Darkness to get out of my way because I was pissed. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of Set Lusting Bruce, your podcast all about Bruce Springsteen, his music, and mostly his fans. I am your host, Jesse Jackson. Joining me is my new friend in Canada, but via Ohio. Andrea made sure to tell me she may live in Canada, but she is a Midwest girl. So, yes. (laughs) Andrea, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Hank. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So tell my audience a little about yourself. I grew up in a, a little town called Northridgeville, Ohio, which is a, a, a wee bit west of Cleveland. So I've been like entrenched in music my entire life because as a child, when I was dry, well, we took the bus to school and on the school routes, we had CKLW playing on the school bus all the time. So I grew up with Motown. 
And he like was just a major influence on my life as a child, just growing up with all that fantastic music. And then, of course, you had all the Detroit sounds. So, of course, as a teenager, it was Springsteen. Well, as far as Springsteen's not from Detroit, but like Seeger and everybody like that. And of course, as everyone knows, Cleveland was one of the first places to really embrace Bruce outside of Jersey. So listening to WMMS as when I was in my formative years in high school and the like, he was a major influence in my life that way. And my family, though, we were always big music lovers and always had albums around. My parents, my family heritage is Polish, so we listened to a lot of polkas. <laughs> Have you heard of Break Combo? No. There's your homework assignment. Brave Combo is from Denton, Texas, just north of Dallas, and they mm -hmm. do rock and roll polka. Oh, my God. I have yes. to check that. Yes, they have actually been nominated and won Grammys. They can do traditional polka as well, but they they were known they did rock and roll polka, did a really a lot of fun things. And when my son's now 34, but when he was little, we would go see Brave Combo a lot because they would play like in beer tents and stuff that you could bring families. And, and my son would go, Dad, it's always a good time to polka. <laughs> <laughs> There's never a bad time, really. <laughs> it's never a bad time. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah, you, you jumped ahead and I love it. So it sounds like your family loved all kinds of music when you were a kid. It was just yeah. everywhere. Yeah, we always had music playing and like, like my parents, I always remember my parents going to concerts like they they went to see Tom Jones and Engelbert Humperdinck with my aunts when I made fun of them as I when I was younger. But now I embrace the Tom Jones wholeheartedly. <laughs> but we always had music playing and I was like growing up as a child was a Beatles fan. And I remember my parents took us to the drive in to see help. And we were all excited, my friend, my girlfriends and I, because we got we got the signed photographs of the Beatles, which we knew at that point you thought they really signed them, but they probably didn't. <laughs> Pendulette tells the story that supposedly the Beatles would take turns signing the photographs. So John would sign John, Paul, George, and Ringo, he would sign all four signatures, each making them look differently. And then the next night, George would sign all four. And so Paul and Ringo. And he said, so true collectors have to get four, right, collections of that. So that each would have, like, they would have the Ringo signed, not only Ringo, but the other three, and then George. I don't know if that is a true statement, but I want it to be, because I think yeah. that would be so cool, right? <laughs> Yeah, that would be totally cool. Yeah, yeah, I had known about that story earlier because when I was living in the UK and I was on the radio there, I had a chance to interview George Martin. Mm -hmm. And so a cool thing to ask him about. But Yeah. So talk about, you mentioned hearing Bruce a little bit on the radio, but can you remember when you first really got Bruce and can you articulate why his music spoke to you? Yes. I remember I was in high school. I was probably about 15 and uh, hearing, hearing some of the music from the wild, the innocent, and the E street shuffle on WMMS. But I remember it being just, yeah, okay, that's cool. But then hearing 
when Born to Run came out and they play and Kid Leo played it constantly. And then when Cleveland every Friday at six o'clock, they would do this. This was there was this guy, Murray, the Murray, I forget what his name was, Murray Saul, maybe it was on um, WMMS. And he would do this whole thing where he'd give this spiel about got to get down for the weekend. And then they would play Friday on my they play Thunder. They would play Born to Run. And that was how you knew your Friday started. Then they would play Earthquake Friday on my mind. And they would, of course, play Cleveland Rocks. And when you heard all those three songs, you knew it was Friday night and it was time to party. (laughs) So that was, I think, that was what made the most impact on me and got me into Bruce at that point and just going, yeah, this guy's pretty cool and this music is really good. But then my friend, my best friend, Kathy, growing up, we were both Bruce fans together and we would just listen to his lyrics. And there was always one line in every song that we would sit there and scream at the top of our lungs. And I think for me too, is like I grew up Catholic and had a Catholic education and I could relate to a lot of the things that he was talking about because there was a lot of, a lot of references, particularly in on the darkness album to the to Catholicism. And I remember seeing him live when he talked about not have about blind faith was, was not necessarily a good thing. And, and that always made me think a lot because I was constantly in trouble in high school for questioning anything that they told you in religion class. So I related to him on those levels as well on that, as well as, as a younger person growing up and then spending more and more time with him. And as we've all aged with him, I think seeing him when he was on Broadway was like a real pivotal time for me to see him because this the show that I saw, he spoke a lot about his mother having Alzheimer's and my mother just died of Alzheimer's. Mm. And so it was something I found really relatable where he could talk. He was talking about just how much she loved dancing and how she'd forgotten about dancing and how heartbreaking that was. And it was like, yeah, I cried. <laughs> oh, I can imagine. I I saw, obviously, that first round, The Wish was on a list of the one of the songs I was really looking forward to hearing live. And he didn't talk about his mother having Alzheimer at the time when I saw it. Later, he did. And I love the Netflix special where he's you'll know me in a glance and he says, you'll know me and that she doesn't know him anymore is such a, a powerful moment. And I can only imagine my mom had a stroke last July. It's coming up on a year and she's now she's in a nursing home. She can't move. She can't stand. She can't move her left arm and her left leg and she has good days and bad days some days she's really as my son reminds he said hey uh mimi was not the most reliable narrator before she had a stroke but there is that that feeling and i condolences on your loss and and i do i can imagine that that feels pretty special that i'm sure the wish brings you happy tears when you hear it yeah, it is just like it it's you just think about those things and like he always talks about it what the a tumultuous relationship he had with his father, but mine was with my mother. So okay. it was like relating to a lot of things he was saying on different levels and and yeah, it was really it was very powerful performance. And- my, my son and my lovely bride I have to make sure they're not listening because she gets angry when I bring this up, is that Independence Day was them. 
Independence Day of just two people loving each other and just not knowing how to say it when he was a teenager. Now then there's, it's all good because you're as adults, but yeah, it has that. It is one of those things. I just was talking to someone, actually Sylvan, I do another podcast, which is a John Hyatt A to Z podcast. Oh, um, fantastic. And so we're covering every John Hyatt song in alphabetical order. And Sylvan says, it doesn't matter in modern era, John, you when he puts out a new album, you go, oh, he wrote that song for me. Yeah. And, and I think Bruce, a lot of that, we go, oh, yeah, that was for me. And and I think that's the universe. That's the universal language of songs that you can hear a song and you take it for your own personal feeling, whether that is what the songwriter meant or not. Yeah. But that's the beauty of music. It really there's, isn't it. There's there's one thing that you can hear in a song that can just touch your heartstrings. And there's certain things that just I'll, get sad or cried whenever I hear that song or, or other times you just get yeah or there's the angry songs I would people would always come to my house and they knew if I was playing darkness to get out of my way because I was pissed <laughs> <laughs> I love that that's my angry yeah. album <laughs> I love that <laughs> hello Pantheon podcast listeners Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once, new quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So, what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com pantheon. Buyraycon.com pantheon. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. You mentioned that in a lot of ways he influenced you to get into the music business. Tell me a little bit about that, Andrea. He's I've always been a fan of music. I like I said since I was a child. 
I have no musical talent whatsoever, but I just loved music so much. And I loved his music in particular. I just wanted to do something where I was actually working in music. And so it was a half a, a weird way that it all happened in that I was like, I, when I graduated from high school, I went to college for a year. I had to pay my own way because the wet Catholic school, the, the Catholic, the Catholic high school I went to, they actually didn't really care about helping out the poorer kids. They only wanted to help the rich kids being like top of my class, but having a poor family, the guidance counselor didn't really care. So I put myself through my first year of college and then I dropped out because I thought, I'm not really learning anything. I'm being, it's the same repeat of high school where I'm not being challenged. I'm not thinking. And then, so then I, one day was listening to the radio and I heard this commercial for the Ohio School of Broadcast Technique. And so I went and called them and had an interview with them. And the next thing you know, I'm in a class for broadcasting. And then the next thing you know, I got a job on the radio. <laughs> and it was, uh, it was crazy because everybody in my class just wanted to be on the air in Cleveland. But my whole thing was I don't want that because I wanted to go somewhere where I could learn everything about the business. And I knew that would be a small station where you had to do everything. So my first the job I got was in Jacksonville, North Carolina at a station called WXQR, the rock and roll animal. And, and I started doing midnight to six. And I remember moving down there and it was such a culture shock for me as a as someone who'd grown up in the north to drive down into the south and see signs for the kkk and just be like oh my god and i don't know how much you know about jacksonville but it's a marine corps town okay it's the, it's the home of camp lejeune the world's largest amphibious marine corps base so as you're driving into town you're seeing these churches but then there's x-rated drive-in movie theaters and then there's a church and then there's a strip club and then there's an x-rated drive-in movie theater and then there's some more churches so it was really interesting being a northerner moving down there and i'll be honest with you i hated it i really hated the girl i was sharing a house with i hated everything about it and i wanted to go home and i was like but in context i will say this my mother didn't want me to leave it was the classic independence day story right and the night before I left, she stood in my doorway and said, you'll never make it on your own. You'll come crawling back. Mm. And I was like, no, I will not. And so I'm sitting there in this apartment in Jacksonville, North Carolina, hating it so much. And then I was listening to Thunder Road and the end of the song when he sings, it's a town full of losers. I'm pulling out of here to win. I went, you're absolutely right. I am not going back. I am going to win. And that kept me going. And I, I ended up like getting promoted, going working in the midday shift and becoming the music director and had a career in radio for a while. <laughs> but I will never forget that line because it just gave so much power to my life to just hear that. That's awesome. I always like to preface this with the amount of times you've seen Bruce perform live is not a fair barometer of how big of a fan you are. There are people that were born speaking of the South and grew up that didn't have a chance to see Bruce. And there are people that if you were born in the right age in the Northeast, you had the chances to see him hundreds of times. So for the record, I know the answer to this. Have you seen him <laughs> perform live? Yes, 50 times. Okay. 
But despite 50 times, there's one you're missing, isn't there? There's always one you wish you were at. No, I was <laughs> talking about your brother. Oh, yes. Yes, my brother. My brother Mark is like one of my is my best friend and I turned him on to Bruce when we were kids and I've always wanted to see Bruce with my brother and we that's been and I still haven't done it and there was a show he was supposed to be at in Toronto and he couldn't make it because his car was broke and nobody in the family would loan him the money for a rental car and I didn't have the money to loan him at the time and so I went to the, the show and it was at the Sky Dome or the Rogers Center as it's called now and he opens the he comes out opens the show because that's where the, the Jays play with the with an accordion playing take me out to the ball game and then the first song he plays is working on the highway and that's my brother's song because my brother at that point was working for ODOT and he was working on the highway and I burst into tears. I'm just like, my brother should be here. He should have fly. Why? Yes. What else did Bruce play? Incident on 57th Street, which is my brother's favorite song. And he plays Thundercrack, which is the song that my brother and I always sing together when we're like, and it's that whole show was meant for my brother to be there. And he wasn't. And to this day, we still, I still want to see him with my brother. And I tried to get tickets for his shows here in Toronto in November. But if you're not in the queue, if you don't get it, you, by the time I got to the point where I could actually even get tickets, the only ones they had left were in the 300 level, like at the very top of the stadium. And I wasn't going to pay like $400 each for tickets after I'd just, I'd paid less than that to see him on Broadway. Yeah. <laughs> And so I'm just like, damn it, Bruce, if you're listening, I'd really like to see my brother. <laughs> I was going to ask, have you seen any shows on this tour? No. Okay. No, because I'm like, I'm self-employed. I work in the music industry and I've been like super busy and doing a whole bunch of stuff. And it just like worked triumph trumped Bruce at this point, which is mm -hmm. sad because I really do want to see him on this tour. But you never know. Something could happen. As you get closer to Toronto, there may be tickets available. They may drop some of their tickets. So yeah, absolutely. Have you followed the tour at all? Have you seen the static set list controversy? No, I have not. Well, good um, for you. I, I you know why because I just didn't want to torment myself. Because I have done that on past tours where I would follow every set list and then I'd be like, oh, God, I should have been at that. And I'm just like, no, I don't want to follow it on this tour. Like, I don't. I just don't. What you just described is how I named this podcast. Really? That is how the name came, Set Lusting Bruce. Yeah. It's exactly <laughs> what you just described. It's It has been funny in the past, people like, in fact, my brother, who just recently passed in February, but would say, what, set-lusting Bruce? Is it a sexual thing? And I, I would explain <laughs> to him, I still understand that when Bruce performs normally, and he isn't this tour, but he changes the setup a, a list a lot, and people post it on social media. And if you're following on social media, you go, damn, I can't believe he's doing that song. And instead of set-listing, you become set-lusting. And oh, okay, that makes a little more sense. So you this are, tour, not he's not mixing it up as much. Is that what you're saying? Yes, he is. A, it is almost. It is practically the same set list every night. Oh, he has man. two or three spots 
where he does a wild card. But overall, it is the same two hours and 45 minutes most nights. It's and and it's a damn good set list. It is a really good set list. I it, I'd recommend getting a Nugs version. And the issue that little Steven says is we're telling a story that in this tour, we have a specific theme that we're driving and that's why we're doing this. And <laughs> most people are okay with it, but there are a small fraction of people that have said Bruce is selling out now and he's, he's lost all the magic and he's just an oldies act. And why you've cheated me, Bruce, I bought six tickets to shows and now then they're all for the same set list that I wouldn't have done that if I'd known. He's then sell your tickets and give them to someone that wants to see them. <laughs> Easy solution. Andrea, yeah. just, yeah. I hate to be unkind, but complaining that you're, you have too many tickets to Bruce and you don't want to hear the same show is if there's not a first world problem, I mean, no. that is exactly right. Yeah, exactly. It's, hey, hi, anybody that's going to complain about that, I'll take two. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> now, I do think I will give grace to before the tour started and before we knew the set list was pretty the same, they Nugs offered you could pre-buy like all 28 shows down Oh, really? Yes. Yeah, so you pre-purchased the U.S. set or the Europe set. And I said, those people... I think have a, I would go to Nugs and go, hey, wait a minute. When I bought this, I did not know I was buying 28 versions of the same set list. I want my money back. Yeah. But all the, some, those of us who have seen him multiple times, you treasure those things. When I used to live in LA and I saw him seven nights and seven nights he played and I went to every single yeah. show and every single one of them was completely different. Yeah. And 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 yeah, I get that. Now I went to three. I, I went on February 10th, on February 14th, and February 16th. So I went to Dallas, Houston, and Austin, and they were basically the same set list. I was lucky. Mm -hmm. Both Houston and Austin, he did. If I was the priest, which he uh -huh. has not done too much, but it didn't bother me that it was basically the same set list because. I've seen Casablanca hundreds of times, and every time I watch Casablanca, I love it. Yeah. I've listened to, I've listened to Born to Run the album, hundreds of times, and I don't go, "Wow, I wish this would be different this time." So I, I'm able to understand what it is. So it's a little bit of there. There's been a little bit of controversy among fandom. People want to bitch about everything, but honestly, like you, I've seen him play for three hours, and some people were yelling that it was too long then leave just no matter what you do there's going to be someone that complains about it yeah i think bruce bruce should yeah, be bothered yeah i i think that's great you've already talked about darkness is your anger album <laughs> are there other albums that mean a lot to you that uh have special meaning yeah i think the wild the innocent and the east street shuffle was always like a special place in my heart because there is this guy when i was in high school that i had a massive crush on and that was his favorite album and every time i i'd go over to his house and we'd play volleyball and stuff and hang out and he actually taught me how to drink scotch while we were listening to that album and so like that one has a special place in my heart too and then i think tunnel of love the album that's on that's like that 
that album just that's about heartbreak and I was going through a divorce at the same time and so I could really that I could relate to that a lot but honestly like there's something in every one of his albums that really read that always touches me and there's I, I go back and forth on which ones are my favorite at any given time Thunder Road not Thunder Road Born to Rome is definitely a pivotal album and and I still go back to that one quite a bit the, it's just there's always something do what is your thoughts on Letter to You? I think that's a great song and I like that album. You know what? I It took me a while to like it as much as I, but I'm, I'm in a different place in my life too. It's like me when I was younger, I'd get, I'd go out to the store the minute an album became available and memorize it and read the liner notes and play it 5,000 times until I knew all the words and I could sing along. And it's times have changed. Now I run my own company. I don't have that kind of time. And so listening to Letter to You was like, yeah, it was like, to me, it was like, like nostalgic and and it's you have to appreciate an artist growing he's not the same person he was when I first started listening to him and I'm not the same person either so I think it's a natural career path and I think it's a really good record yeah I think said so what is the day gig Andrea oh I I do radio tracking I get people's music played on the radio so in Canada they call it a radio tracker in the states it's a like a a promotion person or a plugger but I started my own company in 2004 because I got tired of working for labels and I got tired of just the way they were treating artists and so I thought I'd start my own company and I work exclusively with independent artists because I really want to build careers and and make sure that young talent gets heard that's what I do I some days I drink more than others because I get frustrated with radio people but <laughs> <laughs> Then I just put on darkness and I scream and I'm fine. <laughs> I like that. I like that a lot. You've already told one story about the concert that your brother should have been there. Do you have other uh, stories from shows that you want to share? Oh man, the I, the the pivotal one. I think one of my one of my most favorite ones was I was lucky enough to see him New Year's Eve, 1978, going into 79, which is a show he mentions in his book. That was in Cleveland. That was crazy. That was in, actually in Richmond at the Richfield Coliseum. And going to get tickets for that, that was obviously before the internet and all that. So we waited. We went in the middle of winter. I would think it was like, no, it was like, I think tickets went on sale like end of October, early November, and it had been snowing. We camped out and waited in line at the Richfield Coliseum, freezing almost of the night. And everybody that was in line was like really cool. But that was like, that was in 1978. So it was like, there weren't like all the like the stringent rules that they have now. So we were all like all communing and having this great time. And then as it got closer to the time that the doors were going to open, more and more people showed up and there was no police presence and no security guards or anything. So people just started crowding to the press to the front. And it became pretty horrifying because at one point my um, feet weren't touching the ground. And I was just, I couldn't feel my, I couldn't move my arms, but somehow there was a guy behind me that was putting his hands between my legs and it was just disgusting. And there was nothing I could do about it because I couldn't move my arms. And you're just like flow going with the flow of the crowds. And when the doors open, it was just like, I could, I couldn't even run because I was just like being, I was in this mob thing. Finally got my feet on the ground and hit the the floor and got 26th row on the floor for, for that show. But I should have had better seats because we'd been there all night. <laughs> but that was an amazing concert. 
And, and I like, I just had, the, it was like this amazing experience. Cause when he, we had aisle seats and when he did spirits in the night, he ro- like walked right by us. And it was like, you just get those shivers. Cause you're like, oh my God, this is my idol. And he's like that close to me. And oh my God, it was so cool. And then I remember at the, that show, someone threw a firecracker on stage um, towards the end of the show and it hit Bruce by the eye. And little Steven was like, I'll like, we need to get this guy, beat him up. And and Bruce was like, no, hey, if you didn't like the show, just come up here. I'll give you your money back and just leave. And then yeah. he just and he just kept playing. And it was just an amazing way to start off the year of 1979. <laughs> that is awesome. You mentioned your note. You've actually met him a couple of times. You got some stories. Oh, God. Yeah. OK. <laughs> The first time I met him, my best friend, Kathy, who I grew up listening to Bruce with, like we'd sit in the car and scream lyrics to each other. She'd come out to L.A. to visit me. And it was her last date. And we saw him at the forum. And he was so great. And we were just like, that was the first time we saw him together. It was a freaking amazing show. And so that was her last day. And she was going to be flying out like the next morning or late that night. I can't remember which one it was. And we were walking around on Melrose Avenue and we were in this little store that's probably not there anymore called Flip of Hollywood. It was like a resale store mm-hmm. and I'm shopping for stuff and we're at the counter and getting ready to pay. And then I, I look at the, and I go, Kathy, Bruce just walked in and she's, Oh my God, Andrea. And she like grabs my arm. Cause she always called me Andrea. She always, she grabs my arm and, and she grabbed it so hard that I had a black and blue mark. <laughs> and we're just standing there watching him walk around the store. And we're both like going, we're breathing the same air he's breathing. We're breathing. It was so stupid, but we were just like, we were in our twenties and we were just like, Oh my God, this is the guy that we've idolized our entire lives. And we're in the same room with them. It's Oh my God. And so I walked out, of the, but he walked out the store and I was like, Kathy, I just can't let this happen. So I walked down the, the street on Melrose and I got like really close behind him. And I just went really quietly like, Bruce and he turned around and he goes yeah and I screamed like the village idiot oh my god I can't believe it's you <laughs> I have met many famous people in my life from this point from that point onwards and I've never acted like that but I was genuinely like oh my god this is my idol and I met him and he just had this look on his face and then I stopped and I was like I'm sorry I'm so sorry I'm so sorry I go I've just always wanted to meet you to tell me to tell you how much your music has meant to me and you pulled me through some really dark places in my life. And I just wanted to say thank you. And then his face changed completely. Mm-hmm. And it was like, oh, no, this isn't just a freak. This is. Yeah. OK. And then he just completely changed and stopped. And we just started talking. And then I told him how Kathy had come out to see the show. We grew up together and never seen him together. And then Kathy runs out of the store and she's screaming Bruce. And I introduced him to her. And then we just had this really nice conversation where we talked to him about how much he meant to us. And, and he asked us if we enjoyed the show and if there was anything we wanted different and if we, if it was everything we wanted it to be. And we were just like, yes, of course. And then we didn't ask him for an autograph. We didn't take a picture. We didn't do anything other than just tell him what he meant to us. And he gave us a hug and a kiss on the cheek when he left. And we just stood there literally just standing on the sidewalk, just with our mouths gaping. Oh my God, we met Bruce. <laughs> And everybody was like, oh, my God, you didn't get an autograph. You didn't. I'm like, I've never been an autograph person. So that's and just I don't know. It just was I, I guess the memory of it is, is enough for me. I just didn't need any physical proof to anybody that I met him. I always that's been a, a like something that's always stayed with me. And that's just that joy of meeting him. It was like, yeah, it was great. That was the first time. So. 
Yeah, obviously, it, you would love a photo, but there is something about just the memory yeah. that you had, and I've got that, and that's forever. And it, I, I get that. I was lucky enough, he was in Austin doing his book tour, and I got a ticket so that I was able to get an autographed copy of the autobiography and yeah so i stood in line forever talked to some great people promoted the podcast and had my seven seconds with him and they and they take your phone and they take a couple of photos and so i've got that but it, it i think it's really cool that you've just got that memory because that memory you don't need to have it in a camera. You don't need to have a scrap of paper, him signing it. You just know you were able to tell him what his music meant to you. And he was able to hear it and to, and I feel like appreciate, right? Thank you for telling me that. Yeah, you know, what's funny is I met him on that book tour as well. Okay. And in Toronto, and, and you had the five seconds to get your photo with him and just say hi. And everybody's like all gushing about, oh my God, you meant so much to me. And so I already had done that. So I'm standing next to him and I just go, hey, I'm seeing a friend of yours this weekend. And he just stops and he looks at me and he goes, really, who? And I said, oh, Lynn Goldsmith. And he's, what? Where? What? And I, so I explained to him that she was doing a photography show at this gallery just that was just literally just around the corner from the bookstore. And they're shushing me off the stage and he's, I'm having a conversation. <laughs> oh, that is awesome. So we were actually engaged in a conversation, which I was like, being someone that's been an interviewer and all that stuff all my life, I was like, I'm not going to go and fawn over him because I've already done that. I just want to be real with him. And so he was really engaged and he was asking like about the show, where the gallery was. And I was like, do you want me to say hi for you? He goes, yeah, would you? I was like, yeah, of course. And so he gave me like, he hugged me when I first got on stage and he hugged me again. And it was, I think I had more time with him than most people just because I engaged sure. him. Yeah, I I was asked, are you going to tell him you do a podcast? And I just said it felt weird to tell him that. Mm -hmm. uh, I worked, I basically, my version of how much his music has meant to me, I wrote my own version and practiced it. And then I don't know if he, I don't know if he heard it, but I've said multiple times I needed to say it more than I needed him to hear it. So, yeah, but that's cool that you were able to have that connection and bring up Lynn and have him go, oh, wow, that's cool. That's great. Yeah. That's a great story. Yeah. And then the, ironically, like when I went to see Lynn's show and I met her, I said, hey, I told Bruce, I saw Bruce and I told him that I, I was seeing you. She's oh, my God, what did he say? What did he say? And then when then she and I had this really great connection because we were just talking and then she started telling me stories about how when what it was like when she knew him. And we had this really great connection. And it was just like, it was really cool that just having the common sense or the, not the common sense, I think just maybe thinking, I think I was watching people meet him over and over again. And I thought he doesn't need to hear another story about how much he means to him. Maybe he just wants to be normal and go, Hey, I'm seeing your friend. I'm, yeah. I'm hanging out with somebody that, you know, and that was like, it really piqued his interest and it was cool. Yeah. In my fantasy, if I ever get him as a guest on this podcast, I always thought that I would talk about his musical fandom. 
the bands yeah. he grew up listening to and what were his and what was his moment when he went holy shit i can't believe i'm meeting x and yeah if, I, I think that if i ever get lucky enough to talk to him that's what i would talk about and not to talk about necessarily the music or everything but just him as a music fan the way i talk to most people when they're on the podcast is they're sharing their fandom yeah exactly that would be a cool thing to talk to him about too yeah so let's throw who it out you, but from knowing just from being a big fan and knowing how much as much you know about him who would you think that he would say was like his like dark so i obviously he would talk about uh sam and dave right and talk about the British rocks and early rock and roll. I would think that. The other thing I'd want to know is he, I thought it was really interesting, right? When he was on, I think it was Kimmel. I can't remember which late night show. It must have been Fallon, must have been Fallon. And he talked about that uh, Jessica picked him up and she was like, oh, Taylor Swift's got a new album. You got to hear it, dad. And they were listening to it. And he said he loved that enthusiasm. And I think Fallon said, what'd you think of it? He says, it's good. <laughs> She's good. <laughs> and yeah. so it would be curious to hear him. And to, I would want to know, are there, are there artists you didn't get to work with that you would have liked to? Like yeah. who in that fandom would you have loved to see? I remember he told the story that one night the Grammys were doing a Paul McCartney tribute and the Grammys wanted to know if Bruce would attend. And he told John Landau, he's still a Beatle, right? If they're asking me to tribute to a Beatle, I I'm going to be there, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. You mentioned radio stations. I don't want to get you on a tangent, but I had to just a little bit. What During the day, Gid, what frustrates you? Because here you are trying to promote new music and you hear people say all the time, oh, there's no good music anymore. And you obviously would disagree with that since that's one of the things you do. What frustrates you? What frustrates me is the way the industry has changed because it's become so corporate. And I remember when I was in radio in Jacksonville, North Carolina, we wanted to be the first ones to play something. We would, I would get albums upon albums and sit there and listen to everything and find the tracks that I thought were great and argue with my boss. And we were never like, oh, who else is on it? It was like, no, this is going to work for our market. This is a really good song. Let's play it. And, and now it's everybody's, oh, I can't add it unless it's in the top 30. How the hell is it going to get in the top 30 if everyone's waiting? And there seems to be like nobody, it seems that being first has become like a pariah and I don't like that. I think that what's beautiful about music and I, in radio in general, I think is like discovering something new and different. And that for me comes from listening to WMMS and listening to Kid Leo and hearing songs that just hearing him just like gush over Bruce all the time. And just the like different are different DJs throughout the course of the day would have different things that they loved. And it like, for me, that was that sense of adventure and discovery. And I find that radio programmers today don't have that sense of discovery. And that frustrates me. I remember right after the Western Stars film was released and he does that cover of Rhinestone Cowboy at the end yeah. over the credits. And I've often said in a different time, that would have been a crossover hit. 
that country yeah. stations would have played that. Oh man, I've got here's Bruce Springsteen doing Rhinestone Cowboy. Yeah. But there's no way that a corporate run station is going to pull that and play it, right? Exactly. You, you hear Jason Isbell talk about in his interviews that it's almost impossible for him to get radio play on country stations. Yeah, um, and go ahead. He country five. Yeah, and yeah. it is so you have to because it's it doesn't fit. There, there is a very structured format and what's approved and what's not, and there is that you're missing that spontaneity. Uh, yes, Little Stevens Radio does that. Both all his channels on, whether it's his Outlaw one or his, or his Underground Radio, they do that. They mix it up, but most places don't now. It just it is a pre-programmed, and you're not going to have a surprise hit. Yeah, and you're also not. It's not like even when I was on the radio in the UK, I could play anything I wanted. I had four hours a night that I got to make my own show. And mm -hmm. when I came back to the States and I was on the radio there, it was like, well, this kind of sucks because I'm used to that freedom of being like, oh, my gosh, yeah, I, I want to throw this in or I want to throw that in. And it it's like funny when people like say, oh, I, I called the radio station and requested this song. It's they're not going to play it because everything's already pre-programmed. It's yeah. so different when like growing up listening to the radio when people were excited and got a new record and played it. Yeah. And I, I miss those days. <laughs> yeah. I, I miss those days too. So what's next for you besides trying to work and get you and your brother at the Toronto show? <laughs> <laughs> I'm breaking down, but I'm creating lots of different things here in Canada. Like I just told you about wanting programmers to see my artists. And so I did a, a showcase back in March where I got seven of the artists I work with to pitch in. We all pitched in money. I pitched in my share as well to fly out radio programmers from all over Canada to see them play with a full set, see them play. Actually, it was a half hour set with a full band, which my, my explanation to them was this is better than a radio tour, because if you go on a radio tour, it's going to cost you $4,000 to go for each province. And you're going to get 20 minutes with a music director in the middle of their busy day to play one song on a guitar and then you're going to walk out the door and they're going to forget you. Let's make it memorable. Let's bring them to you. And then I, we, so we had two days. We flew in a bunch of different radio people and they didn't. It was great because it was a sense of community that we built where they didn't just see them perform live. They got to spend time with them. We had epic after parties that lasted until 3.30 in the morning where we had jam sessions. And they just got to sit and talk and really get to establish a personal relationship with the radio programmer that's actually paid off because many of my artists are now getting a ton of airplay and have actually charted and are and have made significant inroads but for me to just consistently talk to somebody on the phone and say you've got to see you've got this artist is amazing trust me once they actually saw it they did know i would I, they're oh you're not lying you're not full of shit this really was great like how is it that all seven artists that you had were fantastic and not one of them sucked i go because i don't work with crap Yes. And so it was like groundbreaking. And we also filmed it. I have my videographer there and we, I have my, I have a documentary coming out. On oh, how June. fun. Yeah. It's a, it's called North of Nashville, a Canadian music revolution. 
and I'm pretty proud of it because there's no other person that does what I do that's actually doing this stuff for their artists. So nice. Yeah. Well, good. I will so, yeah. look forward to it. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds awesome. But I will say this, though, it's honestly listening to Bruce really inspired me to do things like that, because like when I was putting that whole thing together, there were like one thing after another was going wrong. And I just kept going, you know what? It's a town full of losers. I'm pulling out of here. When it's a town full of losers, I'm pulling out. I was like, I'm not going to let this. I'm not going to be defeated by this. And that line, if any line he's ever written, that one has always I think that's the core of it's really it sticks to the core of me. I love that. I absolutely adore it. Any final thoughts before we get to the Mary question? <laughs> I was just like, I, I, I wish, I really wish that Bruce was listening so that he would know. And I know the, the, how much he means. It's really, it's such a gift that he has and how much he really means to not just me, but to so many people. And to just go to one of his shows and to see everybody singing along and just, and and there are times that I've cried because it's just so special. Like that show I told you about that my brother should have been at, that was after Clarence had passed. And when they did the tribute to him, I'm bawling my eyes out, you know, because yeah, it was sure. like, it's, it's almost like growing up with somebody like this, as long as I've been listening to him, it's, you almost feel like you have a bond with that person. Absolutely. I, I you totally know? agree. And yeah. I, I think that he should be, I, I think that, if he listened to things like this, he, he should be like beaming with pride over what he's done and what he's given people. Yes. Said, said, all right. If you are listening to this podcast for the first time, because you're one of Andre Andrea's talent <laughs> and she said, look, listen to this. Or if you're just a listener has stumbled onto this podcast, I every, I end every podcast with the Mary question. Jay Armstrong is a retired honors English teacher in the Philadelphia area. And when he was teaching, he would give his class the lyrics to Thunder Road. They would read them, they would discuss them. And at the end of the two days, his he would ask his class the question, does Mary get in the car? And I think I know your answer, but for the record, does Mary get in the car at the end of Thunder Road? Of course she gets in the car. She'd be stupid not to, but it's Bruce. But also, of course, because he says, it's a town full of losers. We're pulling out of here to win. It's not I'm pulling out of here to win. It's we're pulling out of here to win. I love that. So if someone wants to get more information about the documentary, more information to you, how can they? My company is AM2FM Promotions, and the website is www.am2fm.com. See how clever that is? AM Andrea Morris. FM. <laughs> and if you go to the website, all my contact info was on there. All right. Very nice. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for your time. Oh, no, it was wonderful. All right. Listeners, check out the website when the documentary is available. Be sure and check it out. But for now, be kind, be safe, and we'll talk to you soon. Goodbye. Bye. There we go. Another episode. I'm about to go through a couple of things where you can reach me and give me feedback. Um, so if you want to skip this, I understand. But I do hope you check it out every once in a while. I'm available on Twitter at Jesse Jackson DFW. The show is available at SetLustingBruce. You can send me an email, setlustingbruce at gmail.com. You can send me a voicemail at 469-249-2442. 
I am currently doing a few other podcasts, Perfectly Good Podcast, John Hyatt from A to Z, where Sylvan Groth and I discuss every John Hyatt song in alphabetical order. My Babylon 5 podcast is Last Best Hope for Conversation, where Lou, Karen, and I discuss every episode of Babylon 5 in chronological order. I still am doing Next Stop Everywhere, the Doctor Who podcast with my brother in time, Charles Skaggs. And then finally, How Many Podcasts, the only podcast on the internet that counts, where my buddies and I discuss pop culture. You can go to our Patreon page and support the podcast for as little as a dollar a month. You can go to our Facebook page, like, and please, please go to iTunes or wherever you get your podcast and leave a five-star rating and review for all of the podcasts that I'm doing. It's okay if you don't listen to them, but if you subscribe and rate, it really will make my day better. Thank you, and I will talk to you soon. You just heard the fun talking, hard rocking, music loving, album ranking, fan thinking, joy spreading, lyric reading, story sharing podcast that is the one, the only, Set Listing Bruce. The theme for Set Listing Bruce was written by David Rosen, used by permission. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.